CR101radio.com, podcasts, and more. Welcome back to another episode of Preschool Pioneers. I am your host, Jeremy Walker. You can follow us on our parent network, CR101 Radio, on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, Gab, YouTube, and Liberty News Radio. And you can subscribe to this podcast in your preferred platform so that you never miss an episode. Visit cr101radio.com forward slash preschool pioneers for these links. Welcome back, everybody, to Preschool Pioneers. Jeremy Walker is who I am. And for those new to our podcast here, I am a Christian minister. I am a husband. I am a father of 11. I have been working in early childhood education now for 20-plus years. And I'm brand new. Just a week ago, I'm now a grandfather. That's right. First grandchild was born to us over a week ago. Very exciting times. But we are here to talk about Christian education and why it is so important. So let's go ahead and get started with this episode. It is entitled, Q is for Questions. The important role that questions play in the life of children and when answers should and potentially should not be given. Well, these are very important things because Christians need to become teachers. And the question is, is why? Why is it important that Christians become teachers? So let's answer that question just a little bit. Christians should become teachers because people are going to have questions. Everyone is going to have questions, in particular children. And someone needs to not only be ready to give answers, but it needs to be the right answers so that you can push those people that are, have inquiries and questions in the right direction, in particular, children, so we can set them up for success in life and not failure. Well, the Bible is very clear on a few things as we're going to be talking about questions today. The very interesting thing in Proverbs has a lot of practical advice for Christians and for mankind. God is out there, standing in the streets, shouting from the rooftops, calling men to wisdom. To him. In Proverbs 1.5, it says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. This is very important. If you are going to point children into the right direction, if you want to be pointed in the right direction as a parent, if you're a teacher, then you have to also follow this as well. It's not just for children. But people need to find wise counsels. People that can give good advice. The question has to be asked then is, who is considered to be a wise person? Or what is wisdom? Well, wisdom, I would say, and biblically, is the truth. And that comes from God. God gives us revelation about mankind, how to act, how to avoid problems, how to get out of problems. And so we should be looking for these wise counsels. Now, Christians need to become teachers because we are the only ones who are going to be considered to be wise. 
Now, it doesn't mean that, of course, people who are not professing Christians or not living like Christians can't have, at times, wisdom. After the old saying says, even a blind squirrel can find a nut every now and then. Or they might have been influenced by Christians, or maybe they grew up, and somebody taught them God's commandments. And even more than that, the commandments are written on the heart of every single person. So there is wisdom inside each and every person, as long as it follows God's commandments and what God has told us about how to live. But if we are going to point children in the right direction, if we're going to point ourselves in the right direction as a parent or as a teacher, we need to find these wise counsels. First of all, our first counsel should be the Word of God. That is the number one place you should be going for wisdom. If you want to be a wise man, if you want to understand more about yourself, life, and how to grow, how to prosper and thrive in this world, you cannot do it apart from God, His commandments, and His Word. The Bible is very clear. It says that all those that hate me love death. There's talking in the book of Proverbs about, or it is wisdom talking, and wisdom being God. And he says, everybody who hates me, everybody who hates what God wants or what God tells people about, his counsels, all those that hate God and his judgments, his advice, they love death. If you look around, it's not hard to see death. I remember one time I had a person talking to me. And this was a parent at one of our schools, and he had a question for me. And I'll be going through some of these types of questions I've encountered as we're talking about questions and why they're important and when to give them and not. But he was talking to me about death itself. And he was a professing atheist. And he knew that I was a ordained minister running a Christian school. He had his child in my school. And it was early morning. He was dropping his child off. And we were talking. And the subject of death came up. I guess he wanted to to chit-chat about it. I don't know. And I was more than happy to talk with him. I like talking to people. And as we were talking about death itself, we came to the idea about why people grieve. Why is it we're upset? Because after all, if there is nothing, as many people would like to believe or like to propagate, that we came from nothing, we mean nothing, and we're going nowhere, there's nothing after this then there's no real reason to be upset about death. It's just the next phase. I mean, you came from nothing. Nothing you do is important. And when you die, that's it. It's just nothingness. So why would you be sad about that? Why would you be upset? Why would you mourn about it? Because it doesn't really matter. Nothing's really happening. It's just the next part of life. And nothingness transpires. And so as we were talking to the parent about this, I kind of stopped him. I said, well, I can tell you right now why we all are upset. Besides the fact that we grieve for our loved ones because we care about them and love them. But the death itself is where the, where the trigger's at. And why is it we're sad when someone dies? It's not just the loss. It's not just the loss because that is part of it. A big part of it is the loss of your companionship and your, maybe it's your parent or your grandparent or your child or your friend. 
And so it's an emotional attachment of some sorts, and so that is now being lost and broken. So sadness can come from that. But as I was talking to him, I said, no, I said, I think that the biggest reason why people are sad and cry and are upset at death is because we know it's not natural. We know it's not normal. We know, as I told the man, it's not supposed to happen. That's right. Death is not normal. Death is not the natural state of man. Death is not a normal part of man's existence, and it should not be part of man's existence. That kind of struck him for a second. And maybe if you've never thought about this before, maybe it's something that you should think about as well. Because the Bible is very clear, is that man was not created to die. That was not man's purpose. God did not come, create mankind, and say, well, I'm giving you a job, I'm giving you a purpose, but you have a shelf life. And in a few years, you're going to die and pass away. See, if you understand your Bible at all, even a little bit, then death is a result of man's sin and rebellion against God. It's a curse. Death is something that should not take place. It's something that is imposed upon man and mankind because of his sin and rebellion to God. And that, of course, is passed on to the progeny, to the children. The man was stunned when I said this to him, and he almost looked spooked because he knew it to be true. He knew that death was not normal. Death is not something that we are comfortable with, nor should we ever want to become comfortable with death. See, the Bible has a lot to say, not just about death, but about the future. See, we're not stuck in this death loop as mankind. We're not stuck here. We had a beginning where we had eternal life in Adam and Eve. We had a place to live, which was perfect, sinless, no pain, no sadness, and no death. Man, through his rebellion and sin, caused a curse to be brought upon himself and his world. The world that we live in now is not also the way it should be. We are living in a broken world, a world ravaged by sin and cursed by God. We live in it now, and our children inherit it each and every generation. But this is a question that only Christians can truly answer. The question about life, the question about death, the question about the future, where we're going. Is this cycle going to continue forever? And the Christians can say, no, we know where we came from. We know why we die. We know the solution, and the solution is a return to God in repentance, salvation in God, in Jesus Christ. The question about where we're going and how the cycle is broken is the answer of the Christmas story and the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those that come to him will not perish, but have everlasting life. See, the cure for the curse is a return to God. It's a very simple message. It's not complicated. The future is where sin and death are broken. 
where mankind is renewed, given a new life and a new world, free from the curse. See, Christians have not only the truth, but the truth that is hopeful. Those that are not Christians cannot give hope to people. The only thing they can do is describe the world that they live in, a broken world, a sinful world, men that hate each other, a world that is dead and dying. And when asked about the future, there is no hope there. They have no hope because without a savior, there can be no hope. I saw an image of somebody who had programmed AI, artificial intelligence of sorts. Uh, they're new into this painting type stuff now. And somebody had programmed the computer and within the parameters of whatever it is, asked it to paint the very last selfie that the world would ever see. And what it came up with, they called devastating, uh, scary, terrible, terrifying. Why? Because it painted pictures of a man's face that was haunted like a ghoul. And in the background was war and death and the world was burning. Well, yeah, that's the only picture that mankind can paint. Because he has no answers to life's questions. The only answers he can give is what he sees. Because he has no faith outside of himself, outside of what man can do. Humanism is the bedrock of failure. It is nothing but sin and death. It can't imagine anything prosperous because if man doesn't do it, it can't be done. There's nothing outside of man. These are the kind of hopes that non-Christians try to give to children. Hope in mankind, hope in our abilities, hope in our medicine and our technology, our experiments, science. But there is no hope outside of that. And that's why they become masters of death. They become people who can only predict death and destruction. They can't see a future that works because they know that man is limited. It's not possible for man to escape the world that he lives in the limitations that are placed upon him. But, Christians, we have something that the non-Christians don't. We have a hope. We have a faith. And it points back to God again. And where there is trustworthiness, where there's hope and there's life. See, all throughout a child's life, all throughout a child's life, they are going to be making decisions about what they do. See, in Proverbs 1, and you can go back through that and read that whole thing. There's a whole lot on there about councils and whatnot. But one of the things it talked about was people that refused to listen to counsel. People that knew God's commandments, had it on their heart, and just refused to listen to it. What kind of life is that? See, our job as Christian parents and Christian teachers is to point the child back to what they already know is true. They already have God's word written on their heart. And our job is to go back and push them back to it and say, you already know what is true, you know what's right, and I'm going to give it back to you again so you can be aware of it. You put you know, right there in front of you. It's inescapable. You know it by birth already to be true, and we're here to, again to remind you of that. That's the parent's job. Because the child's going to be motivated because of that nature we're talking about, of sin, 
of rebellion, they are going to try to suppress that truth that's already inside of them. And they look at the world, and they look at themselves by their conscience. They know God. By conscience, they know God's law, God's world. And they suppress it, and they embrace death instead. Our job is to try to break that cycle as well. Our job is to help them when they ask questions, point them back to God and his counsels. Because if they don't, if they don't follow what God has already put on their heart, if they suppress that truth, if they don't listen to the good counsel from teachers and parents, pointing them back to God, then something is going to happen. And God warns people what's going to happen. You're going to find your life in shambles. You're going to find destruction being rained down around you. And then God is going to say, well, I told you. I told you. You're going to come looking for me in that day. God tells them, wisdom does. And he's not going to be found. Not only will he not be found, he says he's going to laugh at them. Laugh at them. Because they refused to listen to him, would not take God's counsel, would not listen to the answers to the questions of life, all the different questions that they would ever have. And they chose to do what they wanted to do and rejected him. And so God takes his hands off and says, have fun. And some people would say, well, that's terrible. That's horrible. How could you ever do it? What do you mean, how could you ever do it? When somebody says, leave me alone, I don't care what you have to say, I don't want to listen to you, let me go do my own thing, and then you do, how can you then be upset when the person is getting exactly what they wanted? And then you're saying, well, have fun. You're literally just allowing the person to go the direction they wanted to go. That is what God does to mankind. See, he does try. He's got it on their heart. He's giving people out there like us as Christians who are out there speaking and teaching the truth. The Bible is the most printed book in all the world. It's not silent. It's everywhere. But mankind rejects it. But that's why Christians are needed. Our job is to get out there and answer all those types of questions. I had another one, another child, and uh, this child was um, in my Bible time. He's an older boy. He came from a broken family, and we were teaching on the seventh commandment and the importance of fidelity, the importance of trying to form marriages, and, of course, the importance of uh, keeping with those and not breaking them. Well, at the end of it, uh, the boy, after the Bible time was over, he got up and said, Reverend Jamie, Reverend Jamie. And I said, okay, yes, how can I help you? He said, I got a question. And I said, you have a, you have a question? He said, yeah, I got a question. Okay, sure. Questions are good. Come on over. What, what's your question? It's about that commandment there. I said, okay, so what's your question? He goes, my mom, my mom, well, she's not married. My mom, she's not with my dad. She's got a boyfriend. In fact, she's had lots of boyfriends. Is she breaking that seventh commandment? Is she doing something bad? Now, this boy was about 11 years old, and he knew the answer to the question. The boy knew it. He already knew what the answer was. Obviously, the answer is yes. She's obviously breaking God's commandments and uh, making, uh, breaking the sexual laws that God has, and things are not going to go well for her. And uh, as it turns out, uh, she did end up uh, becoming a uh, 
a drug addict, alcoholic, in and out of prison herself, and uh, eventually uh, basically left the children and uh, ended up off on drug binges and alcohol binges with other boyfriends, and uh, it wasn't pretty. And this was many, many, many years later, because this is about 10, 15 years ago now. But, and as, a, as we're talking about here, if you break God's counsels and God's laws, there are consequences, as I just mentioned. However, what is important was the question for the boy. Because I answered, or started this episode by saying sometimes you shouldn't give answers to people. And the boy was looking for me to tell him that his mommy was being bad. He was looking for a reason to, to hate his mommy, to demonize his mommy, to take his finger and point it in her eye and say, Ha ha! You're not good. You're a bad mommy. That was his goal, and that was his intention, and I knew what he was doing. And um, so what I did instead, I didn't answer his question when he asked it. Like I said, he already knew the answer. So what I did is I looked at him and I said, hey, I said, uh, you know that, that commandment we were talking about in that question? I said, uh, why do we have commandments? And that's a really good question because I pointed the question back to him and asked him a question. I said, why do we have commandments? He says, because it's supposed to teach us how to live. I said, exactly. Do we have the commandments, I asked him, so that we can point out everything else other people are doing wrong? Or are they there so we can find out what we are doing that's wrong and have good direction in how to act and live. And he kind of looked at me because he knew I wasn't answering his question. And he knew that I just pushed it back on him and said, don't worry about what your mom is doing. Worry about what you are doing. He can't affect what his mom's doing. She's not going to listen to him. They never do. They're going to live their lives however they want. But the boy had a chance to do what he wanted to do his own choices and the choice was is he going to live a life where he rejects god and his commandments or was he going to choose to keep those commandments that was where the point was and of course the conversation was over at that point well come to find out many years later the boy did not learn his lesson he uh, did not decide to keep the commandments and he decided to go in a very wrong direction um, it's very common for children to follow their parents down wrong paths. It's very, very common. But Christians are here. Christians are here to help. Our job is to point out sin, not to make people feel bad. Our job is to help them. That is what the Christian's calling is to do. We have to be the wise counsels. And that doesn't come from us. It comes from God. And it's something that not only do Christians need to remember and keep in mind but it needs to be something that we absolutely can convince the children is true as well. Truth comes from God. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining me on this episode of Preschool Pioneers Discussing Questions and why it is that Christians need to get involved. Don't just talk about it. Get involved. If you want more episodes, you can go to our website at cr101radio.com forward slash preschool pioneers for more episodes and to subscribe. So thank you again for joining me. Have a great day and God bless.